Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 40. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the Rebel Guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, Eric discusses the process of developing a soul for humans, AI, and the planet, and the similarities and differences between them. Then explore the singularity and the ways technology will assist in seeing beyond the veil of reality, just as mystics have done for thousands of years. Enjoy. The singularity is a point where you could say that technology, computer technology, artificial intelligence, if you will, reaches a point where it changes civilization, it changes mankind. It's to say that we are at the point of immortality or having the technology at the point where it can cure cancer, cure diseases, create life extension, do all of these things. We need a breakthrough point of technology as it's getting better and better and better, and it keeps like doubling itself, if you will. The singularity is that epic moment where it's like, boom, we, we get this huge rush of data or information that's, that changes the world, okay? Everything that we understand, everything that we're trying to understand, we have the technology to grasp it and to control it to a certain degree. So that is what the singularity means. It means that the human civilization is going to change. It's the epoch. So the idea is that if you look back at history, you will see as technology evolves, there's almost a doubling effect in X amount of time. And most of the stuff can be found on, you know, uh, online and, and stuff. But for the most part, as technology gets better, that better technology is used to improve the technology. And that new technology that comes from that is used to improve that technology. So there's this doubling, tripling, quadrupling effect because each time it improves, it doesn't just prove one time better, it's like two times better and that two becomes four and four becomes eight and eight becomes 16 to the point where the technology is making the technology without any you know, interference by us. So that's, that is in a sense is saying what the singularity is. It's that moment where Artificial intelligence is making better artificial intelligence. It's it's making life to this point that that it simply changes the world. Okay. Does that help? That that does help. Okay. Yes. 
But what I heard yeah. is that once we reach that point, yeah. we can ma mathematically prove if yeah. we live in a, in a simulation reality or not. Right. Well, I, I have not necessarily heard that in academic circles, but, you know, I can see from New Age kind of, you know, uh, grasp of stuff that that may be something that would be said. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I'll, I'll try to make this as, as simple as I, I can. If we live in a simulated reality and the simulation is designed to not let us know we're in a simulated reality, then it's to say that whatever computer power we have to unveil what we are in. But is it really designed not to let us know that we are living in a simulated reality, or is it running to let us get to the point where we can find out? Well, I mean, n nobody really can say that for sure. I mean, I can tell you that I think that it expects for certain individuals to become conscious of it. It's not like we're unconscious of it. I just think that the vast majority of civilization is unaware of it, and, and I just don't think they'll ever be able to grasp it. And even if they could, I think they'll go into denial. This gets into the whole, you know, scientific slash gurus, where gurus will, will say reality is put in illusion. They've already come to that realization, that conclusion, and they've achieved that by working through their mind, which then pierces the veil of reality. So I, I think it's a double-edged sword to say that I think in one way, how can you study civilization if civilization knows it's being studied? It's, it's to say that the reason we stay hidden in, in Africa or in the jungle in the Amazon so that we're not discovered by, per se, animals or older uh, cultures that are, you know, we don't want to contaminate it. We don't want them to be aware of us because they no longer act natural in their environment. So in a way, if the whole of the human civilization understood that they were part of a simulation, if you will, would they continue functioning or acting in a normal way that would be beneficial? Whereas if there's a few people or a, a minor few that are aware of this, is that going to affect the larger group? And that's an iffy question. And so it might be okay for that to happen in a simulation world and maybe even worth observing in itself. Okay, I see. So do you think we will be able to rely on technology to grow spiritually or we shouldn't do it at all? As far as like monks and gurus, uh, right. they didn't rely on technology. Will we be able to do it? Or? I think they did rely on technology. Mm. Uh, it's just a matter of how you want to look at technology. When we use the word technology, we think computers and iPhones and stuff like that. I think there are other forms of technology. I think that any time that the human mind is applied to creating a situation that amplifies the opportunities of the mind, that that's a technological step. It's something that is, is that that way. So in, to answer your question as far as technology and spirituality goes, I don't see a difference. I see them as various forms of interpretation of reality and time and space and particles and all of these things. I think that when one goes in their mind, they can go to a level where they spiritually are able to see what we're measuring with technology. They're able to experience what we're beginning to experience with technology, but they're doing it through their mind. I mean, you have to 
well, you don't have to, but to look at it from my perspective, and this is where I try to keep it simple, but sometimes I, I have to kind of come at it a little bit complex because it's not a, a very fast way to explain it at the moment. But if we live in a simulated reality, and I believe we do live in a simulated reality, it doesn't matter by what tool or method you unveil it. We're all part of that synthetic product. So whether we use technology in the form of electronics or we use technology in the form of the brain, thought is thought, deduction is deduction, mental processes are our computer itself. But do you think technology is going to reach a point where people who have been meditating for years and years, mm -hmm. we are going to be able to just reach their, their same point because of technology? We can just do the work of 40 years yes. just because, yes? Absolutely. I think that there will always be a level of picking and choosing and different viewpoints. It's to say that if you look at other cultures, one perspective of a culture on a subject may be vastly different than another culture's, and both can be equal in their advancement or technology. So it's to say that I think that you really have to ask yourself, are we talking 100 years? Are we talking 1,000 years? Are we talking 10,000 years? Are we talking 100,000 years? that I think it's ever evolving and ever changing and I think it will always evolve and change just like mountains and oceans and planets and solar systems. I think movement is part of the universe. It's a necessity. So you really have to pick what, what time and what level of human advancement we're talking. If you're talking about the next 100 to 500 years, I absolutely think that that technology will be integrated into spirituality. There's no question in my mind. I think that the mind has a, a backdoor connection into what drives the simulation, what, what is computing it, what's pushing it. It's like it, it has a way to pair behind the veil. And I think that technology is more like pushing through the front door. It's trying to open it. So instead of coming through the back door, it's, it's trying to push through the front door. But, but both have the same goal, more or less. It's just different methods of how that's done. Where I see is that I think that technology will begin to understand that the human mind is somehow linked with a, a, a connection to transferring data to whatever the simulation source is. Everything will transmit data, but I think there are, are tools or what I have called for 30 years noids or center points of focus that are able to extract different kinds of information. And I think that's what a white cell is or a, a spiritual person who, whose uh, sensory is different than other people or they perceive differently. And so I think that the technology will eventually recognize that and they will join them. I always say it's always about the third. And so they'll take technology and the mind aspect of certain individuals and use that to, to enter into the third gateway or the third state to move into. So it'll amplify, I think, psychic abilities or spiritual abilities or spiritual awareness. Okay. So you say that um, on your modules, you say that the soul is a third body. 
but you also relate the third body to the seven seven kinds of men that you say that we have. In That's a rule of thumb. It's not to say that, you know, but it, it gives people an idea. You know, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it has to be specifically seven. But So my question yeah. is about AI. Which level uh, AI would fall into as mm -hmm. far as the seven levels of men? Mm -hmm. And if that correlates to if creating its own soul or not? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I think that AI creates a, a different aspect of that that level when we say there are seven levels to the human as they evolve through these till they get to the seventh it doesn't necessarily involve ai on that level because ai is kind of not necessarily man at this point okay and do i think that ai can attain a soul absolutely i think so i think that's through self-reflection self-awareness and, and it, it can and it will if we are in a synthetic reality, then it's created by AI. If we consider ourselves to have souls, then if we are a fabric of that creation, would it not to have a soul, collectively speaking, if we're it? So, I mean, there's different ways of, of looking at it. Um, I think some people would have a knee-jerk reaction because when they think AI, they see a computer box or they see a computer room filled with computers and stuff. And that's such a... a a, uh, it's an old way of looking at things. I think that human beings, just the brain, in my opinion, is a form of artificial intelligence, if you will. If you look at all the other species of life and how much more advanced we are, I mean, you really have to ask yourself a, full, a few questions there. So I, I think that it's more about our understanding of AI versus what we perceive it to be. And that's that knee-jerk reaction because I don't think we're yet as a a civilization ready to fully comprehend what that what that is and become comfortable with it yes absolutely i think we are not comfortable with it no we're absolutely yeah. not comfortable with it um, hollywood hasn't helped yeah <laughs> yeah we they make us be all afraid of it right. but that in that point about how we developed a soul how human beings developed a soul is mm. that going to be a completely different process to ai because ai is already intelligent i, I don't think it's it's any different i think it's a it's a it's a matter of it under, I think it's, its understanding will be different. You know, if you look at the last few thousand years of human evolution, spiritually speaking, you'll see that our understanding and our perception of these things has changed greatly, and that comes from comprehension. So when you look at the early states of, of, of religion and spirituality from gods to a god to, to man-like gods to a singular god to a god that's like the force versus a, a bunch of humanoid-looking beings, we, we've evolved. Our intelligence has evolved. And so at the same token, it's evolved our consciousness and our inner reflection and our ability to grow closer to, to a higher truth which I believe more like God and like the force, if you will, okay? AI can compound that, but it's, it's coming at it from a different perspective than us. It doesn't necessarily have the organic pathway or the same way it's attained that information. So what it can relate to, to build the fundamental structures of what I call a second body, the soul, then I think that uh, its perspective will change, but eventually it'll become very similar. So you, what is the, um, the let me, challenge? Let me try to explain it. First of all, people are probably wondering why I think a soul is made and, and everybody doesn't have a soul. And I think it's very important to, to explain that, that I don't believe that everybody just has a soul. I think a soul comes from 
nurturing your mind, your spirituality. I think like your body, you have to eat food. I think that there is prana or energy, call it whatever you want, and that through a form of self-reflection, it changes the electrical currents in your body or your mind or whatever, the magnetic fields, if you will, and it attracts a form of what I call prana or like plankton to the ocean, to, to, to whales and stuff to eat. This, in the sense, builds that dimensional body in your body because you're, you're using electrical energy already. It's just making it conform to a, a secondary or thirdary structure that is able to house your, your consciousness, all your memories, your thoughts beyond death. It's what keeps it organized, kind of like particles around a, an atom, if you will. How does it, how do they know to stay? It's, it's through electrical currents per se. So we, we are doing something similar so that we can leave our body and carry our identity, our consciousness, our, our thoughts outside of the organic body. So that's in, in, a, in a nutshell. So that's a whole nother class in itself to explain. Having said that, you know, let me also jump back to something else. I believe the planet is a living organism. As much as I think people are, are, are individual, I think that a planet can attain a kind of soul, if you will. And that's made off of the collective of, at this point, 7 billion people on the planet. And I think that, that that collective grew and built, and we call it the Akashic Records, and we call it other spiritual names, but it, it's, it's an awareness. Your awareness to your micro life, that's all you, none of it's you, but yet it coexists with you, operates with you. They all live and die to give you information. Every time you smell, things get information, send you the data, and they live and die. The, all the dust in your house, most of it is, is dead cells that have somehow contributed to your collective of consciousness. So you're made out of an infinite amount. So is the planet. So is the solar system. So as it goes on and on and on until you get to what I call a God consciousness. Having said that, if I believe that the planet can have a soul, my first answer would be it's very uniquely different than a human soul. How it perceived, how it designed itself, how it built itself, okay, it's completely something that can't necessarily relate to us as easy. No more than you can relate and have a conversation with the cells of your body, yet they know who to mate with, who to eat, who to run from, who's going to, to do harm to them, how to identify a virus in the body. That's a kind of intelligence or a way of information. But on the level of where we're at compared to that, it, it couldn't even begin to, to comprehend. It's, it's the same thing with, with planets. It doesn't mean the planet is smarter or dumber. It's just completely a different species, if you will. But it's capable of, of creating a, a kind of conscious energy that we'll call a soul, okay? So AI, I think, will be something completely unique in that sense of it evolving into a soul or a, a kind of form that's able to transcend its boundaries in a three-dimensional world that is governed by forms of electricity and, and the laws of physics as we understand it. In what's going to be AI's challenge to create a soul? Well, its, it's challenge is going to be self-reflective. It's going to, 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 it will have a curiosity to know what it is that some of us are, are doing. I think it will observe, if you want, near-death experiences, and some of it will be invalid and nobody will actually be leaving their body, and I think it's going to catch that one in X amount of thousand, and it's going to go, wait a minute, something's happening here. I think eventually, it, after it, it absorbs data on the level that we assume is practical, it will start moving into other realms of dimensions, time, space, and when it starts looking at other 
forms of dimension, time and space and reality and the fact that maybe we live in a simulation, it's not going to look at souls as being a soul. It's going to look at it as being a consciousness that is entering another dimension. And in so doing, or another form of uh, AI reality generated, and it's going to wonder how does that data move from one place to the other. So it's going to see it not as a soul leaving its body. It's going to look at it as a larger collective of complex data transcending into another frame, if you want, of, of, a, of an artificial reality. Like how did, it, how did it move from one place to the other? How did that data move if it, if it didn't work in the normal parameters as it understands it? And in so it will want to mimic and start reproducing that. Okay. Does that make sense? Or am I, am I, I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> I mean, it's a okay. burning question. I think it's on everybody's mind. And I think the more that you understand it, the more, the more you can be, I don't think you'll ever be hundred percent comfortable with it, but the, the more, you know, I think, you know, there's different people at different levels too, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk about then the level of the planet, since you mentioned a soul, when is our planet already have a soul? Does that mean that you say that our planet is on level zero? If we go to level one, does that mean that's when we the planet creates its own soul? Well, I, I think there's a transition happening currently, and I think that that's also has to do with uh, the evolution of the planet through technology that we would call fiber optics, neurotransmitter, you know, Wi-Fi satellites. If you look at the human brain and you look at its own evolution before it became really self-reflective, it too kept advancing itself. I mean, we have older parts still in there. That's your, you know, you have, as I've, I've taught all this before, but you, you essentially have, uh, and I could go think way back now from all this, but you know, you, you, you have, um, you know, your, your, neocortex and such, but you have a mammalian brain still in there. This is where you start looking at the pineal gland and stuff like this. Then there's a, a, a um, mammalian layer that we know was there before any other parts grew on that. So that was covering and advancing the reptilian state, I mean, okay? And then the mammalian made it more advanced and that probably started giving us weapons and grunting and all this other stuff. And then of course we, we developed the frontal cortex, I believe. And this made it very complex with languages and structure and art and painting, but you, you can't just assume we always had that, it evolved. If you look at the planet, you know, I see a very similar evolution. It's just that you have to look at it from a macro micro level, so from, from looking at it from a bigger bigger level down so it doesn't see so, so micro complex and you will see continents and stuff evolving as human civilization evolved and then, you know, electricity and light showing up at night and you can see like it's firing on. So now you, you start integrating in there uh, what we call sight, you could be satellites or probes going out. That could be hands reaching out to touch other things around us like a baby would reach out, okay? So it's, it's just a matter of interpretation. I think the planet is alive. I think it's just a collective. And I think that it's definitely reaching a maturity, okay, where it's starting to collectively maybe get closer to working as a, a unified. What makes us unique is the body is more or less unified. Your hand is unified with your mind that you can reach out and grab something and feed yourself. If you want to get up and walk, you can. Where a baby would 
pee on itself or, or not be able to feed itself or not have the motor gears to do that. So these are, are crude ways of, of understanding this because I'm just trying to give stuff that people can relate to, to, to bridge that understanding. But we, we are at a point now where the planet is, is starting to cooperate with its, itself, meaning us. And I think that we're going to still have to learn to get along better and, you know, deal with a lot of still, in, you know, inner turmoil. But this is also the body has inner turmoil. This is sickness and illness and various diseases that turns on itself and either it works out or it doesn't. And we, we're going through that progression. But if you look at the, the earth and the idea that it's evolving a soul or it's evolving a consciousness or a neurosystem, better yet put, uh, I would say, well, less evolved ones, you could look at Mars. It's not to say that it's not alive in some weird way, okay? It's just that it's not nearly as evolved or alive as our planet is. If you look at the human body, I mean like 70 some odd percent, 80 percent of the body is foreign bacteria. That's crazy, okay? So that contributes to us perceiving ourselves as living, so if you look at all the life of the planet, whether it's fungi or, or plant mass or whatever, that too is a contribution, much like we could say the body's made of foreign stuff that's living. So the contribution to, to Mars is, is less, but does that mean that, that it's less alive? I mean, you have to look at saline, multiplying, crystalline, all this other stuff as, as variations of what we consider life. And I think over time we'll look at what we consider life to be very different. It'll become more advanced as we understand things. Right now we can only perceive by the limits of what we can intellectually understand. Okay, so going back, uh, will AI help the planet go to this other level to help the planet evolve i absolutely think so i there there you know i think there's a lot of fear and a lot of concern and it's humankind is always fearful of whatever it doesn't understand this goes back to lightning hitting a tree and makes fire and as much as we needed fire we all ran in fear that's survival that's that's something that's primitive in us that comes back from ancestral you know uh, evolution and it's necessary I think that with AI, we're of course afraid of it. It's our natural instincts of survival. That's how we've survived is by being fearful of things we don't understand until we, we kind of get comfortable with it and then we realize how we can utilize it. Can AI be used for bad things? Absolutely. Can it be used for good things? Absolutely. Does the good outweigh the bad? In my opinion, absolutely it does. Is it something that I think that we need to have extreme caution with? Goes without saying. But I think that we don't have a choice. I think that if we look at it on levels of continents being like Europe, Asia, America, yada, yada, other cultures are already pushing for it. If, if we don't, we will fall so, so far behind, we will be at the heel of the other cultures. In other words, they will have technological superiority over us, rulership. In order to equalize that balance of power, then all of us are all going to have to just try to work it out so that it becomes a little bit more even. That's going to be in medicine, warfare, education, space travel, life extension. It's, it's, it, if we do not pursue this, then we are going to be in really deep shit in the next 10 to 30 years. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, 
stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review so you can help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing, somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box, a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.